to Heather Solves Everything, a how-to-do show where Heather takes credit for making the world a better place by introducing you to people who actually are. I used to think that I was a good person, then I met these folks. Wow. <laughs> hey guys, welcome back. Heather Solves Everything. The show where I take credit for making the world a better place by introducing you to people who actually are. And you know, that's a pretty big job. I can't do it all by myself. I have someone in the studio today who I have been wanting to have on this program since I first interviewed her back in 2019 about an organization that she founded that is going to blow your mind. And her name is Rebecca Kelly Manders. The reason why she's here today is because we're going to talk about life change and she has been through some stuff and come out stronger you're going to get to know her in a minute she's been a professional in the food service industry for over 20 years currently she's the chef and owner of a mobile kitchen called street chefs and the food service director of the big bend homeless coalition at the hope community and the founder of refire culinary program Rebecca Kelly Manders, welcome to Heather Solves Everything. Hey, Heather, how are you? <laughs> Good. Today's show is called Starting Over, and it's all about life transformation. And we're going to dip our toe in life transformation because that's a pretty big topic. We only have an hour. Yeah. So we're just going to talk about a little bit of life transformation. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, today's episode is going to be a little bit extra because we're not just talking about changing your life. We're talking about transforming your life after a big thing has happened. And in this specific case, we're talking about a thing like incarceration, you know, a, a thing that can change the direction of your life pretty dramatically, depending on your circumstances. We're going to hear from Rebecca about her life experiences and how they led her towards a refire of her life. We're going to talk about that word specifically, what it means and why it's meaningful and how it turned into a business venture that is helping others to transform their lives. So are you ready? I'm ready. Let's get into it. All right. This show is all about solving problems. Rebecca, you had a problem to solve in life. I remember when we talked back in 2019, you told me about a time when you found yourself in between burned bridges, not a lot of places to turn, some situations that made you think you needed to start over in some ways. Can you tell us a little bit about that time of your life and what led you to feeling like you needed to transform things? It was the 90s. A lot of things happened in the 90s. Um, <laughs> Um, yeah, I was, uh, I was in my early twenties and, um, my military career had just very abruptly ended, um, when I was asked to leave, um, uh, they said, thank you. No, thank you. Please go home and don't tell anyone you were here. Um, I was discharged from the military, sent back home, um, because I had a, I had a pretty nasty drinking habit and, um, it was a little more than a habit. Um, it was like more of a way of life mm -hmm. and, um. It had kind of taken everything and just turned it on its head. Right. Um, I didn't really uh, have uh, a lot of skills, didn't have any real means to, to do much of anything. Uh, worked in retail, some odd jobs. Um, found myself 
um, sitting in a jail cell. Uh, I, I committed uh, embezzlement, uh, the theft of property, uh, stole from my employer to kind of hide my drinking and, and mm. drug habit. Um, I always tell everyone I didn't experiment with drugs. I did not wear a lab coat. There was no data collected. It was not an experiment. Um, but if you handed me something and said, here, take this, it will make you feel better, I would take it. Because right. I just, I, I had this giant hole of, mm. of addiction inside me and I couldn't, I could never fill it. Um, so at 24, um, I was jobless, um, homeless, uh, looking at my second felony conviction, um, had pretty much used up all of my friends, had used up all of my family. Um, my mother wasn't speaking to me. My, my father looked at me and, and after he bailed me out of the latest Mm -hmm. round of, of financial disasters and said, um, if you call me for money again, my name is Jose and I don't know you. <laughs> and, um, and it was uh, coupled, it was around Christmas. And uh, I woke up and kind of had this moment of clarity. Um, and I'd always said I would stop when I was 40 because my mom got sober when she was 40. So I thought that, that was the magical age. Right. You just, yeah. you know, That's when you do it. Right. And you grow up and start. <laughs> you Suddenly know. things make sense when you're 40. Exactly. <laughs> Little do we know. Little did I know. Exactly. <laughs> Nothing makes sense. No. You're just so many more questions. <laughs> right. Uh, but I kind of had this moment of clarity. I just had this like, just moment where this voice in my head that said, if you don't stop living the way you're living, you're not going to see 25, much less the magical age of 40. Um, and that was, that was the, the last time I touched a drink wow. or, or a drug. And uh, that was uh, December, I know December 28th, 1997, that I was sober because... My father had to call the gas station down the street from the trailer park I was staying in to tell them if they saw me to tell me to call him because my grandfather was dying. So mm. that was like, yeah, you know, you, you hit some pretty, pretty low points when you when he gets there. So um, it was it wasn't pretty, um, but, you know, I worked really hard. Um, I had some really good friends that helped me. Uh, you know, kind of figure out where I needed to go, help me get into a recovery program, um, and just try and straighten everything out. You know, I completed my probation sentences and uh, got all of my civil rights restored in the early 2000s. Um, you know, things were looking up. I was working. I was a working cook. I went to culinary school in, in the early 2000s. Um, graduated at the top of my class in 2006. Um, was living in Tallahassee. Things were going great. Um, the police showed up at my door three days before Christmas with a teletype from 1996 that said, this is not an executable warrant and took me to jail and said, Alabama says that you never paid all of your fines and fees back. And I couldn't get anyone to bond me out because it was three days before Christmas. Oh, wow. um, so through a series of events, um, my, uh, partner at the time we were living next door to um, a woman and her two daughters and one of her daughters worked for a bail bondsman and after a lot of back and forth she got a bond written and got everything cleared up nine thousand five hundred and eighty five dollars later but um you know it you put one foot in front of the other and mm -hmm. just you know keep hitting me come on keep hitting me because you've, you've tried to knock me down before and i just i'm, I'm like the i'm like a you remember weebles uh -huh. weebles wobble <laughs> but they won't fall down right yeah, that's me um you know, and, and it just kind of, uh, it gave me this, it put this fear in me this that, uh, that a lot of people I know have that have been through similar situations. And we kind of call it a sense of permanent incarceration, you know, yeah. um, where you always feel no matter how much you do, how good you are, 
no matter what's going on, that there's somebody right behind you just waiting to snatch you up. Mm. And um, it's it's something that's helped kind of fuel me in this next phase of my life. You know, my, uh, my mom passed away suddenly in 2010. Um, I was on track to, I was working for a corporate restaurant and I was on track to move up into middle management. And um, I walked away from that and said, I'm going to start a food truck because it's what I want to do. Hmm. And um, my, my girlfriend looked at me and said, well, what if you fail? And I said, I'll sell it and go back to somebody else's kitchen. I am a subject matter expert at failure. <laughs> I know how to do that. Not my first rodeo. No, no, no. no. Again, Weevil. And, um, and so I opened Street Chefs in uh, May of 2011. Uh, we we're the fourth gourmet-style food truck to open in Tallahassee. I was one of the founding members of the Tallahassee Food Truck Association. Have helped dozens of other trucks um, open up their businesses and, and thrive. Um, you know, continue to do that today. And um, it's uh, it's it's a lot of it's a lot of fun, you know. Um, and it's just it takes it takes a lot of work, you know. Yeah. And and then in 2015, I was like having a really hard time finding people to work for me. Mm-hmm. So um, I kind of had this uh, Reese's peanut butter cup moment, you know. Who you put your chocolate in my peanut butter, you put your <laughs> peanut butter in my chocolate. I'm dating myself. All my 70s references. I totally get that reference. Though. I know. I know. <laughs> You remember the commercial. The oh, lab yeah. Hey. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, it occurred to me that the, the hardest thing for me to do with, with having not one but, but two felony convictions, because you know, one I did, and then the second one I got charged with, um, I had a public defender who was like, well, you've already been charged with a theft charge. Nobody's going to believe you. Just plead no low contendere, and I'll get you probation, and it'll be oh. fine. So, um, so, yeah, so I did that because I was, you know, 20, right. 26 and, you know, what, you know. What else am I supposed to do? And, um, you know, I found it really difficult to get jobs. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of had this moment where I was like, why don't I figure out a way to help people who want jobs get jobs? Uh Um, And the food service industry is so forgiving. Yeah. Uh, We don't care. Show up. Just show up, you know. Um, I had a guy who used to work for me named Matt who used to joke, it ain't a real kitchen unless there's a felon on the grill. (laughs) And, um, (laughs) you know, there's truth in that. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what brought me to where I am today with Refire. Wow. We're, we're going to tell the rest of that story when we come back from a short break. You're listening to Heather Solves Everything. This is Coach Healthy Heather, and I'm here with Rebecca Kelly Manders. Stay with us. You're going to hear the story of Refire Culinary. Thank you to my sponsor, AK Social Strategies, a locally and woman-owned business that provides social media and email marketing for small businesses. Every client feels the love when their social media is curated thoughtfully and personally. With purpose and intention, social media is a business must have, but it's time-consuming and ever-changing. Let AK Social Strategies take the wheel. Find them on Facebook. Just search for AK Social Strategies. Welcome back. It's Heather Solves Everything. 
I'm here with Rebecca Kelly Manders, the founder of Refire Culinary. We are talking about life transformation, especially after big time stuff has happened in your life, like incarceration, like one of those life experiences that you feel like you can't ever get away from. No matter what you do, there is always something behind you waiting to yank at your collar and pull you back. And for a lot of people who have made choices that have landed them in the criminal justice system, that also means trying to find a job and and get that structure back into your life is difficult. And that's where Kelly, that's where Rebecca found herself. And when she was starting Street Chef's food truck, realized she had a hard time finding people to work. Mm-hmm. Tell us about what, how you decided to look for people to work for your food truck in the criminal justice system. Well, it, it was really just kind of, um, it, it, Tallahassee's a, a, an, an odd college town slash capital slash small town that thinks it's a big city Mm -hmm. and uh the labor market here is um difficult and unique yes it is to say the very least um you you can pay somebody you know nine ten dollars an hour and they're probably going to be a college student and they're going to want football weekends off and they want the month of december off and every (laughs) summer off and they you know they might show up if you have a sunday morning shift they might not you know it's uh, you get what you pay for. Right. And then on the other end of that spectrum, you have what I call the TLCs, the terminal line cooks, the guys who don't want to do anything but come in and cook, and they're dang good at it, and they demand 15 plus an hour and are worth it, but they don't want to do anything else. They don't want to be in charge of anything. They don't want to have any responsibilities. They want to come in. They want to do their mees. They want to cook their shift, and they want to clock out and leave. Mm-hmm. And um, when you're a small business owner and you have somebody who's that good who doesn't want to take on any additional responsibility, it's really uh, it's really difficult to justify paying them that kind of money. You know, I'm like, well, right. I can just work your shift and, you know, whatever. Um, so somewhere in between, you know, there's this this gap in in our in our area of semi-skilled labor, people who have an idea of what they are doing, um, who are teachable and who really want to work. And um, it's really difficult to latch in and find Mm -hmm. those people. Yeah. So it's, you know, in 2015, I just had this, you know, idea that we have over 1,100 people returning to the greater Leon County area every year from the criminal justice system. Wow. From our state prisons, from our federal prisons, coming off probation um, or, or coming home and being on supervision. Over 1,100 people that are coming home and looking for work. And I started doing a little digging. And I found a place in D.C. called the D.C. Central Kitchen uh, run by a guy named Robert Egger. And he put this kitchen together. It's a catering organization. They cater for the school system, for um, aftercare programs, for all kinds of places. And it's run by people who have had brushes with the criminal justice system. And it's been going in in business for decades. And so I called him and he called me back, which was (laughs) amazing. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And 
And he was like, yeah, it's, it's really not hard to do. If you find employers that are willing to hire people, you can train them and send them out. And, uh, and I, I did a little more digging. There's a um, food truck in New York called Drive Change. It's a diversion program. Um, there's the Edwin's Restaurant and Leadership Institute in Cleveland that's run by Brandon Krasowski. And um, all, all along the same lines, you know, restaurants that are there, uh, food service industries that are there specifically for people who need a second chance. Yeah. So I started talking to um, some friends that are at Kaiser, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the dean at Kaiser and a friend of mine who's an attorney and another friend of mine who was working for Career Source at the time. Excuse me. And um, I just put this whole idea together. What if we in Tallahassee started a training program where we brought people in and said, here are the basics. Here's mm-hmm. teach you about food safety and sanitation, teach you how to use a knife, teach you how to read recipes, how to scale recipes, how to work in a kitchen in a kitchen environment and then help you get jobs. Yeah. And uh, refire was born. And the term refire is a kitchen term. It's a slang. It means to remake or correct a mistake. So it was kind of like a, just a, a really fitting term for the program. You know, Poetic. If, yeah, it really is. You know, because if a server comes in and says, hey, you missed at the steak on table 10. I need a refire on the fly. Then you've got you've to do it. You've got to right. do it fast. And you've got to do it. You've got to do it with perfection. And everyone who comes through my program, they all have this desire to get what I call the, the one inch of space from your best bad decision that got you where you are in the first place to the person that we all know that you can be. Yeah. Um, because, you know, it's like you said, having a, a felony conviction is is just like it's this weight. It's this it's this anvil that you have to carry on your back for the rest of your life. And it's really difficult. It's really difficult. I think it's like the first question on a job application. It, it usually is. And, you know, if you have to check that box, you know, something that you said, you know, finding employers who are who are willing to hire them is was that difficult? It, at first, it was a little difficult. Um, but now I've got 10 or 12 restaurants that call me on a regular basis that want to know when my next group is graduating. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't as hard as some people think it would be, because like I said, the restaurant industry is very forgiving. Um you know, if you show up and do what you're supposed to do, um, it's it's pretty easy. Um, and, and our goal isn't just to help people get a job, but it's also to empower people to understand that they have the tools to do what they need to do mm-hmm. to move forward and uh, and to not ever have to go back into the cycle that brought them into the criminal justice system. You know, the the, the key word of of our program is, you know, we're, we're trying to end recidivism. Mm-hmm. And the recidivism rate is the rate at which people go out and come back into our, our jails and prisons. Right. And in Florida, uh, in Leon County specifically, we've got uh, about a 25% recidivism rate. Okay. Um, which isn't horrible. I mean, one out of every four, that's, that's not bad. Uh, nationally, uh, f- over a five-year average for federal inmates, it's 76%. Wow. Three out of every four on a federal level will end up going back into prison. Wow. For graduates of the refire program, it's 11%. Wow. So um, we, do have, we, we do have a couple of our graduates who have, have ended up back in the system for one reason or another, either new charges or violations of probation or, you know, what have you. Um, doesn't mean that when they get out, 
I'm not going to be standing there going, all right, are you ready? Right. Um, because sometimes it's not a second chance. It's a third chance or a fourth chance um, or a ninth chance. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. You know, there are, when, after I was arrested for the first time, the first job I got on my own um, was working at a, let me date myself again, was working at a music land in the mall. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember malls? Yeah. I loved malls. <laughs> yeah. I was working at a music land in the mall. I got hired for a Christmas seasonal mm-hmm. employment. The uh, The manager who interviewed me is now one of my closest friends. We're, we still talk today. But um, my probation officer told me, don't check the box on the application. She said, just get the interview and explain yourself once you get the interview, which now we know is lying on right. an application. <laughs> but, again, it was the 90s. Uh, it was also Alabama, so there's that. <laughs> but he looked at me and he said, there are there are bad people who do bad things, and there are good people who do stupid things. And I think you're a good person who did a stupid thing. Wow. And and, and he was right. You know, I, I don't see myself as a bad person. I also don't see myself as the same person I was, you know, 20-something years ago. And that's what I tell my students. I'm like, you know, a lot of them will say, well, I'm a convicted felon. I go, da 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 you are a person with a felony conviction. There's no such thing as a convicted felon. I am, I am not a Honda CRV. I drive a Honda CRV. You know, mm-hmm. I'm I'm not a convicted felon. I'm a person with a felony conviction. That type of people first language is starting to become more of a norm when we um, get to know more about the different circumstances that people live with and live in. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciated hearing that from you about the difference between a convicted felon meaning that that person is preceded by Mm -hmm. their past as opposed to a person with a felony conviction. Absolutely. And the difference can be, it's it's more than just words. It's how you see yourself and how you perceive the possibilities for your future. When we come back, we're going to learn a little bit more about how ReFire works and uh, most importantly, how you can help. And we're going to dive into another side of the criminal justice system that doesn't get a lot of attention and an area where a little bit of awareness can help us make it better. Stay with us. It's Coach Healthy Heather on Heather Solves Everything. Hey guys, it's Healthy Heather. You're listening to Heather Solves Everything everything. This is the show where we tap into your intrinsic strengths to solve the everyday problems of life. And I need your help. If you've got a problem that needs solving, let me know. It just might make it to the show. Go to coachhealthyheather.com and click on solve my problems. Submit your idea, send it to me, and you never know, it might end up being on an episode of Heather Solves Everything. This show is Heather Solves Everything. I'm here solving problems with my friend Rebecca Kelly Manders. She is the founder of Refire Culinary. We are talking about life transformation after incarceration and other big stuff. There is no mountain high enough. There is no valley low enough. There is no river wide enough if you are dead set on changing your life. 
And in our previous segment, Rebecca was telling us about Refire Culinary and how she found the workforce for her food truck in the population of individuals coming out of the criminal justice system who were looking for work but needed some skills. Yep. And that led to the creation of Refire Culinary, which trains people with felony convictions to work in the restaurant industry and in the hospitality industry so that they can then go on and widen that gap between their previous bad decisions and the life that they're living today. Now, I know that everybody tries to act like their life is all roses and rainbows, but we know everybody knows somebody who needs a little help. And I wonder if somebody's listening and thinking, I've got to get my son, daughter, niece, nephew into that program. How do they do that? How do they get enrolled at Refire Culinary? It's really easy. Um, There's an application on our website, which is refireculinary.org. Um, we ask that the person, unless they're incarcerated and they can't, um, but we ask that the person who's applying for the program fill out the application. It's very simple, a lot of drop-down menus, just, you know, check boxes. You send it in th- right through our website. Um, we have five eight-week cohorts every year. Um, our uh, outreach reentry specialist gets all the applications. Um, she goes through them, makes sure that everybody qualifies, you know, that they do because a lot of people have applied for a program and they don't have a felony conviction um and i'll you know i'll reach out to them personally and say hey thanks for applying however it's an exclusive club and you don't belong yet <laughs> you, uh, only if you check the box yeah this is only the if one you check place where you check have the box. to check yeah. the box <laughs> and we'll take we, uh, we'll take anyone with with a felony conviction as long as it's not sexual in nature um because we are housed at the big ben homeless coalition hope community um, which is an emergency shelter for families experiencing homelessness. And all of the food that our students prepare goes to feed the women, children, and families that are housed at the Hope Community. So it's like a trifecta of right. when, you know, they're getting, um, you know, professionally made meals. We're giving our students experience and everyone feels good about it because it's not just giving a handout to somebody who's coming out of prison. It's helping families and children and, you know, you have to do it for the children. You know, it's, it kind of softens the blow to some people who aren't as warm and fuzzy about people coming out of the criminal justice system. And, um, you know, being able to make that connection mm-hmm. is, is really awesome. So just going to the website is the first, you know, first way to apply. We'll look at your application. We'll call you for an interview. It takes about 30 to 45 days to go through the application process because we do partner with Career Source Capital Region. Um, they take our eligible students through the Workforce Innovation Opportunity Act um, and the Dynamic Futures Work Experience Program. They go through some orientations, do some paperwork, and then come to us on first day, and they get paid for every hour that they're actually working in the kitchen. Oh, wow. Yeah. And the program costs a grand total of $0 for every student. Um, they don't have to pay a penny to be in the program. Uh, they get paid to work. We help them get certified uh, through the National Restaurant Association with the manager level certification in sanitation called the Serve Safe Certificate. That's good for five years, good nationwide. So if they decide to go move in with Aunt Betsy in Walla Walla, Washington, they can take that certificate to any restaurant and go, I know what I'm talking about, um, and get a job. We help them with resume building skills, job interview skills. Um, We give them referrals for 
transportation, housing, child care, mental health, physical health. We talk, if you're on probation, we talk to your probation officer. We let them know, hey, your client is registered in the class. Here's the schedule. If you would like to drop in at any time and see your client and see what we're doing, please feel free. We'll be happy to hook you lunch. Um, it makes everything easier for everyone involved. Um, we work really hard to make sure that every student that comes in is set up for success. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't, you can ask any one of my graduates. I'm, I'm not warm and fuzzy. Um, I, I'm, I'm there to teach you a skill. I'm there to give you tools. What you do with the tools is completely up to you. Um, you know, I, I always tell my students, I have three rules. Don't, don't steal my food. If you're hungry, I'll feed you. Don't steal my money. If you need gas money, let me know and we'll, we'll figure it out. And don't lie to me. And that's you, those three things, and we're good. And I have, you know, I have graduates from my first class in 2017 that, you know, still reach out to me and talk to me and, and ask me for things. You know, can you help me with this? Can I have a reference for this job? Uh, or they just call, just update me and let me know how it's going. Um, one of my graduates uh, from 2018 uh, is wrapping up at TCC. Um, getting his associate's degree so he can go to FSU and get his bachelor's in social work. He spent 19 years, seven months incarcerated. He's getting married this year. Um, he's he's oh, the success oh, story. Oh, just I mean that's that's what keeps me going. Yeah, you know, absolutely. It's hard. It's not an easy job. And you know, I know uh, that we've had 68 students come through the program. 54 have graduated, and you know it's. I can tell you something about every single one of them, and uh, it's it's been it's been it, it's been illuminating. Um, but I think the thing that's really helped everything work as well as it has is because they know that I have I've stood in their shoes, you know, for the eight years that I was involved in the criminal justice system, and then you know from what happened in two thousand six, and and I know that because of my gender and because of my race, that it was a lot easier for me than it was for a vast majority of my students. So I, I make sure that they understand that no matter what, that they have an ally, they have somebody who's going to stand up for them and, and make the phone calls and write the letters and do everything that I can to make sure that they want opportunities, they can go and get whatever opportunities that they want. But I'm not going to do it for them. And, and I'm, not, I'm not a babysitter. I'm very, very quick to tell them on the very first day, I'm not your mommy. And uh, <laughs> I, I will... I will I will love you and teach you, but if you if you expect me to do it for you, I've already passed this class. That's what I tell my students all the time. <laughs> you, know, you do what you want. I've already passed this class. You know, I, I got a job. So, uh, yeah. They're so lucky to have you as an ally in the process. And in preparation for this program, I did a little bit of Googling, Google research on um, times when people have been incarcerated and turned their lives around. And I, I made the mistake of, of typing in famous stories of, <laughs> of formerly incarcerated transformations. And I found a bunch of famous people who had had run-ins with the law. And I thought, that's not what I'm talking about. No. They, they did not have to start back over again. No. And so I changed the search and I discovered some stories about others who um, everyday people who have found themselves in the criminal justice system and then turned it around and made a real life transformation and started to think about the ways that we can be allies for those who are in that category of, you know, good people who did stupid things 
and and want to to make a change for the better. You know, some of these stories um, might sound familiar. Darius Clark Monroe served three years of a five-year sentence for bank robbery. Now out, he has completed the creation of a documentary, Evolution of a Criminal, which was produced by Spike Lee, mm-hmm. exploring various influences that uh, pushed him to rob a bank at the age of 16. Yep. And, you know, when we learn about those types of societal circumstances, we begin to see how we all can play a role in impacting somebody's life. Absolutely. Absolutely. I know that you have a, um, a mentor and, and a story of somebody who, who went a, a similar path. Tell us the story of Brandon. Brandon Krasowski is uh, the founder of the Edwin's Restaurant Leadership Institute in Cleveland. And uh, in 2017, when um, I, went to, I went to my friend Sandy uh, Pareda, who owns Bulldog Strategy Group here in uh, Tallahassee, and I said, hey, um, I need to raise $60,000 in 60 days. You in? And she was like, yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> and um, we didn't, but we raised a, a chunk of money. And uh, she helped me put on my first fundraiser for ReFire so we could get the program launched. And um, we found him online and, and started researching his story and called him and he came and spoke at our first fundraiser. And he and I sat and strategized and just talked. And, and his run-in with the criminal justice system, you know, he went before the judge and, and he got mercy when he knew he didn't deserve it. And it, and it took him down the path of going into the restaurant industry and then starting Edwin's and seeing how giving people the second, third, or fourth chance is the best thing that you can do for yourself and for anybody else. We're going to dive more into that story when we come back from a break, including some tips for if you're ready for a transformation in your life. It's Heather Solves Everything. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Now I'm back and not ashamed to cry. Hey guys, it's Healthy Heather from Heather Solves Everything. I want to thank my sponsor, Kylene and Ryan Studios, a local husband and wife photography team who specialize in weddings and portraits of all kinds. Whatever special event you have coming up, they're your photographers for life. With a combined 32 years of professional photography experience, their unique perspectives shine through in every image you see. Find out more at KyleenAndRyan.com. That's KyleenAndRyan.com. Come. I know you want to leave me, but I refuse to let you go. If I have to beg, please, for your sympathy, I don't mind, cause you mean that much to me. You ever feel that way about yourself? I am not going to let you go. I am not too proud to beg myself to be ready for change, and to be ready to start a new way of living. You're listening to Heather Solves Everything. I'm Coach Healthy Heather. I'm here with Rebecca Kelly Manders, and we're talking about creating a new start in life. And I wonder, do you have a mental image that comes to mind when I say person with a felony conviction? Do you have an idea of what that person looks like or what that person might do or sound like? I wonder if you'd be surprised if you were in a fancy French restaurant and discovered that all of the people working there 
were formerly incarcerated with felony convictions. That's what you find when you go to Edwin's. Absolutely. And that type of chance to have a, a, a fresh start is where you can get the, the liberation to finally make peace with your past, um, break away from a series or a pattern of decision-making, and truly start something new. And that's what people can do at Refire Culinary. Absolutely. They go through an eight-week program, and then they have not only the tools, but they have the certification mm-hmm. to work in the, in the restaurant industry and in the hospitality industry. And the website is refireculinary.org. If you go there, you'll see where you can donate, and your donations help make it possible. So if you want to help out and you're not quite sure how, that's one way you can do it. And, and all of that is um, able to make that program free to those who need a new start and want to have one. When we were talking about this, um, this subject, one thing that came to mind is that there are so many of us who have circumstances in our life that make it easy for us to start over. Mm-hmm. You know, you mentioned that yourself, you know, just we all have just kind of life circumstances that that are not created by us. And it made me think about those whose circumstances make it more challenging. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if you see, especially in Tallahassee, disparities in in groups that are already behind. And I'm thinking about people who are in um, frequently discriminated against populations like LGBTQ like racial groups, like ethnic groups. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, what do you see in Tallahassee as, um, as a way that we can make sure that everybody has access to help? That's a, that's a really, uh, really good question. Um, it's something that, it's something that uh, I, I really I try and focus on a lot in, in what I do because it's, it's very disproportionate, the number of, of, of black and, and people of color uh, students that I have. Um, versus the the number of, of white students that I have, it's I I think we just ran the statistics for our new infographic last week, and it was ninety seven percent of our students um, were were black or, or people of color, and you know only two percent um, were were white, and that is very indicative of what we see in the criminal justice system. It's the uh, it's it's the biggest ex- example of the systemic racism that we deal with in, in this country. Um, I've had three, three openly, four openly gay students um, since we started the program. Um, and b- being openly gay and, and in, the, in the black community is, is also a, a whole nother level of, of, of just things that, you know, I... I empathize with and I do what I can to understand and I again stand as an ally with all of my students but it's not something that I fully understand not being a part of the black community and I think the biggest thing that we can do is to start with the the larger causes to to really look at the level of systemic racism in our punitive criminal justice system and if we can get people to shift away from a whole punitive system more to a holistic, restorative criminal justice system, um, I think that would benefit everyone involved. If you look at other nations where they work more on restorative justice, their recidivism rates are lower, their crime rates are lower, um, you know, people uh, are, are active in their communities more. And 
making that shift is very difficult because we got it drilled into our heads, you know, 30, 40 years ago that if you're um, if you're soft on criminals, then you're soft on crime, you know, and that's and that's not necessarily true you know there are bad people who do bad things and have to be incarcerated there are people who commit crimes because they need money to fulfill basic needs um, or they commit crimes of of opportunity that they may not have done if if they if there wasn't a need behind it and if you can get to the root cause and figure out what's there you can lower crime rates you can lower incarceration rates you know country the the largest industrial nation in the world with the largest prison population we have 1.6 million disenfranchised voters in the state of florida you know that are people who don't have a voice you know and the passing of amendment four you know that was extremely controversial and you know there are so many different ways that we see people who have been involved in the criminal justice system continually held accountable for things for debts they've already paid you know, I often use the analogy, um, my, you know, my friend Sandy made this analogy once and I just really hung on to it. You know, if I lend you 20 bucks and it takes you a minute, but you pay me back, I don't go up to you every time I see you and go, man, you remember that time that I lent you 20 bucks? Man, that really, that was really awful of you to have to borrow 20 bucks. How, what kind of person has to borrow 20 bucks and then takes three weeks to pay it back? Man, you must be an awful person. It's the same concept, you know continuously in making people pay for mistakes that they've already paid for, um, it's just another way that our society separates and divides us. And, and we really need to, to look more holistically at what we're doing and why. We can do the same thing for ourselves by by looking um, with compassion at the choices and, and the ways that we've lived in the past and then forgiving ourselves and moving forward. And um, if you're thinking that it might be time for a transformation in your life, then listen up because I'm going to get a little coachy on you. I want you to think about walking in the woods. And if you ever notice a snakeskin that has been discarded and it's laying on a, on a path. I was recently walking at Cherokee Sink near Wakulla Springs, and there was a snakeskin on the path. And it reminded me of a time that I, um, I saw a snakeskin as a child, and my grandmother told me that um, snakes will shed their skin when they outgrow it. They don't need it anymore. And every time I see a snakeskin, I think about the liberating opportunity that we all have to shed our past skin when we've outgrown it and we don't need it anymore. And I invite you to think about that when you're wondering about whether you can move into a different phase of life. I've got three ways that you can shed your skin and begin a fresh version of your life. And the first one is always noticing. It's always noticing that your skin doesn't fit anymore that there's something wrong with the way that you're living and you're not okay with it. You might be yearning for change, but you're not sure where to find it. Noticing that you feel that way is the first step. You might hear yourself thinking, I'll do better tomorrow, or things can't go on like this, or something's got to change. Those are all signals that your skin is worn out and it's time to shed and 
start fresh. And that brings me to my second tip. Believe that you can do things differently. I wonder, do you still brush your teeth the same way you did when you were a kid? Do you still stand and talk on the phone attached to the wall with a cord? We have all learned new ways of doing things and you can believe in your ability to learn how to live life differently also. Channel that. Remember times when you've learned new things and believe that you can learn new skills in this part of your life too. And then finally, welcome that weird feeling. Welcome that strangeness. It is okay. In fact, it's good to find yourself in a place that feels weird and different. Living without your skin and in a new pattern can absolutely make you feel exposed. Try to turn that into energy that feels exciting. This is what you've been working towards. It's supposed to feel that way. I'm so glad that you decided to spend part of your day here with me, Coach Healthy Heather on Heather Solves Everything. Thank you so much, Rebecca, for being here today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I have enjoyed getting to share the magic of refire. I hope that everybody has an opportunity to refire today. I hope something great happens for you today. We will see you soon on another episode of Heather Solves Everything. Status confirmed. This problem is solved. Well, that's it for this week, guys. We did it. We solved another problem with a little help from our friends. You can be a superhero, too. Check us out online. That's where all the information is about how you can jump in and start solving everything. Heather solves everything with a little help from everyday heroes.